Hi, welcome to another episode of the 42 Courses podcast. This week I was lucky enough to catch up with Michael Power. Um, Michael is the global strategist um, at Investec Asset Management, which has now just changed its name recently to 91. Um, The reason why I thought Michael would be an interesting chap to chat to is, A, he's one of the smartest people I know, but also um, he's very good at understanding what's happening in in the sort of global politics world um, and the world of finance and I just thought it'd be interesting to have a catch up and see what his thoughts were given everything that's happening in the world right now so anyway hope you enjoy the podcast and we'll uh, get some more out for you again soon thank you bye enjoy brilliant right so hi uh michael is uh a great old friend and, and he's in coming coming at us from from Cape Town. Uh, he's one of the head uh, strategists from um, Investec Asset Management, which is now called 91, I believe. And uh, the reason why I wanted to talk to Michael is, is not just because he's a charming, amazing gentleman, um, but also because he talks a lot about the future and, and about the world and what's happening. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought it'd be good to hop on a call with you. But um, hi. Well, Chris, it's nice to catch up with you, even if it is in this sort of new way. Actually, I've caught up with certain friends uh, in ways which I never believed because of this uh, enforced work from home. Uh, You were telling me um, a minute ago about an amazing yoga or Pilates uh, classes all online now. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Sounds good. Exactly. But um, yeah, I know you've been doing a lot of a lot of talks to probably a lot of clients, I guess, around the world on, you were saying sort of what, what's happening in the next 10 years. And I'd imagine all of that has sped up somewhat. Absolutely. No, my, my sort of theme of the moment comes from Yuval Noah Harari in the FT, where paraphrasing what he said in an essay a couple of weeks ago, pandemics fast forward history. And I think many of the things that were going to take 10 years to, to work their way through the system are now happening. The whole next 10 years has been concertina, some things more than others, but, but uh, uh, pretty much everything is going to happen much more quickly um, uh, than I originally anticipated. I mean, what are some of the key things that you've, yeah, you've been interested to chat about recently? Well, I, I mean, for instance, just to start with a really big thing, I mean, it was probably going to take China 10 years to overtake the United States in economic size. Now it's only going to take five, uh, yeah. which is massively uh, game-changing uh, in so many ways across the world. Um, I think that um, the whole issue of sustainability has um, been brought front and center, except that we've moved away from a a climate-dominated definition of of sustainability to realizing there are all sorts of other things that we need to add into the mix. So whereas one of my big themes for the next decade was going to be climate, it's now the environment. And uh, in the definition of environment, we can, of course, include everything like pandemics, um, and, and things like, um, uh, you know, are we eat, going to eat as much meat? There are so many other aspects that come into it. Most of them that are built under that big umbrella of sustainable um, energy. You know, how are we going to consume it? What sort of energy are we going to consume? But then there are also themes like debt, uh, which have been huge in my mind and have now got bigger and more quickly than I could. I mean, I don't want to dream of it, but I can ever have imagined. You know, the amount of debt that Western countries are now taking on in order to fight the, um, uh, the, the shutdowns uh, is just, just monumental. Um, other themes, tech, 
I mean, obviously in the areas of medical research, we're seeing things happen uh, at much greater speed with much more money being put behind it, much more brain power. In fact, I tell people that never in the history of humanity has so much brain power been directed at coming up with a solution to a problem than is happening at the moment with regards to, let's say, finding a vaccine for the virus. So these themes have, uh, have been swirling around out there. And um, that's really what I'm speaking about to clients at the moment. Obviously, their next question is, so what can we invest in and what should we avoid? Um, I mean, that's the game they're in. That's the game we're in. Um, but you have to start by actually having the discussion. I mean, what <laughs> I, I, I know, uh, I, know I, I invested a, li a little bit in the stock market recently, um, well, probably a few weeks ago when everything was uh, sort of, and it seemed to be at its rock bottom, but um, I'd imagine that there's going to be another another dip on its way. Um, but I mean, what what kind of things do you think are, are more safer bets um, industries to look at? Well, uh, first of all, I'd start with geographies, um, which is again sort of making you think outside of at least your national box or your traditional box. I mean, there's a there's a word which I've come to realize has been haunting us and we use it and I've just used it now um, the word we who are we um, in fact that goes back to a fantastic um, painting by Gauguin which he painted in Tahiti uh, which is uh, who are we where do we come from and where are we going and I'm asking those questions hugely at the moment because I'm not sure I understand who we are any longer um, mm. is it some sort of you know western elite who basically pull the the global strings well sorry, that game is over, that day is over. Uh, it's no longer happening. And if to the extent we are pulling any strings, we're not being very effective. We are not being very effective. So I've been having some very deep and almost existential thoughts uh, about where the world is going. And that is the name of my current presentation. Uh, and the, the subtitle is the, the new normal is that there is no normal. Um, there's nothing that we can say, ah, yes, some status quo ante in this regard is going to be restored. No. I don't think that's right. I, I think there may be some patterns that reappear, but the idea that the big picture is somehow a restoration of something that's familiar, I think is completely wrong. Mm. Um, and I think we're moving into a completely brave new world, um, obviously phrase intended. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. I mean, what, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not very good at sort of uh, numbers and figures myself, but I, I see lots of, you were talking about you know incredible numbers of debt coming out at the moment particularly from the US I saw today they're going to um, borrow I think it was something like three times more than they borrowed during the 2008 financial crisis um, and that's just for one quarter um, as opposed to the whole year how how does that I, I don't even know what all that means I mean how, how do you how does well, that possibly I'm not sure I do fully um, and uh, anybody who tells you that they do um, is, is probably lying to you. I'm not sure I do. But what I do know is that, that the, the, the younger generation in much of the West is facing a particularly tough period. And it's not for nothing that in America, the current young generation, the millennials, um, are the first generation in, in, in 100 years in America who believe they will not be wealthier than their parents. And I think that the very fact that they're actually contemplating that to some extent turns it into a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't think they will be as wealthy as their parents. I think a very different 
world for them is in prospect. Um, and uh, I think that you know, obviously um, the sorts of things that you're going to involve yourself in, the professions that you're going to have to pursue. You know, we, we, we saw the gig economy starting to take off. And in some respects, you know, many of us have now moved from the formal economy into the gig economy rather than vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah. Working from home is a sort of variation on that theme. But the fact is that a lot of the industries that they were uh, working on, uh, the areas that they were working in, were very much on the edge of, the, uh, of, the, of the, the formal sector. And a lot of those people are going to have to work very hard to, to stay relevant. Um, yeah. They might be yeah. technically able and therefore better equipped to, to, to adjust to the new circumstances. But it's tough for, for gig economy people in large part at the moment. Um, given what's happening um, in, 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 the, in the Western macro. I mean, it, yeah. I guess the things that go through my mind, uh, <clears throat> would it, if, I, if I, uh, I can just about think back to sort of the 2008 financial crisis thing, you know, that, that seems to have taken as most countries, it, it seems to take many, many years to get out of that. So this I'd imagine for a country will take even more many, many years uh, to get for out a wet, of it. For the West? But it didn't West, take yeah. long for the East to get out of it. I mean, the East basically yeah. rolled with the punches and after two quarters, the status quo ante in terms of where they were before had been restored. Obviously, there were some lingering effects and some, mm. some damage that was done to the system, particularly, dare I say it, to their, their sort of economic partners in the West. Mm. Um, but the reality was that, 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 that it was a relatively um, mild flu for um, the West, uh, the East. Uh, even if it was pretty tough for the West. This time round, I mean, you know, probably this crisis is, I, I, look, I don't even want to put a multiple on it, but it's way over <laughs> 10 times as bad as, as it was in 2008. And, uh, I mean, do you, do you think then, I'm just trying to think of sort of from a normal person's perspective, does that mean, no, I'd imagine if you want to, if you want to make up for that, you've you know, particularly in places like the States, maybe in the UK, you probably expect to see some you know, rises in taxes uh, to, to try and try and be able to get back there. Or do you think, or do you think corporations, private corporations will have to step up and take a, a bigger kind of, you know, my background is all in advertising. So I, I would, I would describe it, you know, perhaps as good advertising. Uh, perhaps brands will need to start stepping up and providing services or helping in addition to services where, where they were provided just by the government. You know, maybe they're, they're partly provided by, by larger corporations that can afford it as a, as a sort of public good. I, I don't know whether any of that's still... Well, look, I think there's a, there's a mix of that. There's definitely a mix of that. I think there are vast swathes of the economy that are going to essentially become um, directly or indirectly state-owned, simply because they're going to be dependent on the continuing financial support of the state um, nice. for them. Uh, now, you will, from your time in South Africa, remember Comair. Now, yeah. Comair was unusual as a company in that it was an airline that up until the beginning of this year had 25 years where it didn't make a loss. For an airline, yeah. that's an incredible record. There aren't any other airlines I know of in the world that have a 25-year profit record. Today, it announced it's going into receivership. Wow. Wow. Now, what's happening across Europe is you're basically seeing directly or indirectly where it's the French government or the Spanish government or the German speaking to Lufthansa. Ultimately, I suspect you know, the British government speaking to British Airways. These, these, these airlines are now at least hiding under the skirts of government. 
Um, and so we're going to see you know, vast areas of industry becoming state-owned or state-directed, uh, simply because it's still regarded that they are a, an important public good um, and they need to exist. Um, but they can't exist as, as, as part of the private sector going forward, not given the fact the amount of debt that they've had to take on, unless the debt is somehow forgiven, which it might be. Mm. Um, but it's tough. You know, the American air, air, airlines are all facing horrendous um, uh, prospects looking forward. Um, you know, car industries, can you imagine? I mean, as things were, in any case, the age of carbon was, you know, drawing to a close. Um, well, unless you'd moved into the, you know, the, the hybrid space or, or, or the electric space, and even there, to be honest, um, you know, are we going to be traveling as much in, in vehicles moving forward? Uh, perhaps. You know, some of what we used to do will go back to doing, but uh, there's a real sense that actually, no, I'm not going to be spending so much time on um, public transport. If I can work from home or a cycle to work or whatever, um, I'm going to do it. Um, I think sense. the whole environmental story, I mean, uh, I think that uh, we started to, you know, New Delhi can see the Himalayas again and the snow on the top <laughs> of them. I mean, this hasn't happened in you know, decades. There's more snow on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro uh, uh, since the time when Hemingway wrote about it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, there's extraordinary, I, I mean, I, I always say that if there is such a person as Gaia, she may have sent us this virus just to tell us to, you know, wise up um, and that we're killing the earth and we need to, you know, calm down a bit. Um, yeah, it's it's having that effect, and I think people are taking the concept of sustainability far more serious, and it's broadened out to being much more than just an issue which is dominated by climate change. As important as climate change is and will continue to be, but the whole concept of sustainability now has broadened into a whole new area areas, um, and, and we need to be wise of that. Is that um, anything to do with the cocooning principle you said that you were? You're talking about yeah, I, look, I was working my way towards that, but I've now <laughs> got an extra reason to do that. I developed a theme at the end of last year, which a couple of my colleagues looked at me as if I'm coming out of some sort of science fiction movie, <laughs> um, where I basically said, you know, uh, we're going to move as climate change becomes progressively more hostile into an environment where we are going to cocoon in our homes. And when we do that, we will make these and I call them spaces more than places, much more livable. Yeah. We are going to spend more money on making our environment, our immediate home environment, a really lovely place to live. Um, by the way, it looks lovely behind you, but um, uh, um, a lovely place to live. So we will, we will also work on the electronic delivery of all manner of, of services. Like for instance, you know, tele-religion, tele-gyms, uh, tele-yoga, which I've taken up in the course of the last you know, couple of months. Um, uh, so, you know, we will do all that, but obviously the likes of Netflix, um, the where they're going to get their content from, if people can't go outside and make films, I don't know. But nevertheless, um, uh, you could have a film like uh, Chris Hemsworth's latest Extraction, which yeah. was an okay film, but it's an absolute blockbuster now because of the number of times that it's been seen on Netflix. An absolute, you know, killer blockbuster. Well, so I think it just underlines the story that uh, a lot of our entertainment we're going to take at home. Uh, a lot of our food is going to be delivered to home. A lot of the goods and services, you know, 
the Amazon world that we've been sort of playing with up until now has again been concertina and forward. So I have a big file on my inbox, which is, you know, my shopping file, my online shopping mm -hmm. file, because I'm having, you know, sort of daily deliveries. I mean, yeah. and, and, and I'm now, yeah. there's not much I'm, I'm, I'm scared about buying that I can't buy online now. I mean, there was a time when, you know, you needed to go and see a shirt. Well, I know who the, the great shirt makers of the world now are, and I'm very happy to trust them, and I'll take a delivery of a shirt online. And I think that you know, the working from home has also opened up huge possibilities, of which this you know, Zoom chat that you and I are having are, are one of them. I had a, a Zoom dinner party with friends last night from London. Um, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't have, because they lived in another country, I wouldn't have gone to dinner with them before, but I went to dinner with them last night. Um, <laughs> I offered to pay and they said they're not sure how it was going to work. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I think it's opening up new possibilities, even as it closes up uh, old ones. Um, but, I, but I do think that the world we're moving into is going to be much more centered around our space where we live. I agree. Uh, I think um, I read two interesting things. I, I don't know whether you read as well. that there was um, In the UK, there was a, a, a children's film called Trolls. Um, which was going to be released at the cinema um, and instead they decided to do an experiment this was I think Paramount Pictures um, they released it on on Sky TV on satellite TV as a sort of pay for 48 hours download at, at about 10 pounds a pop um, and they made over 100 million pounds um, on its release weekend uh, which they said was was sort of compar comparable to somewhat uh, to, to what it would have been like in, in the theatres or in the cinemas. And, uh, and so cinemas are now... But with much lower costs. Hugely lower costs, yeah. And I mean, if, if they can, you know, now that, that's an amazing dip test for the whole industry. If they now know that they can make just as much money, if not probably more, uh, doing direct to TV, um, you know, limited downloads, which is, you know, they don't get to keep the film. You, you rent it for 48 hours and you can watch it. Uh, with your family and then that's it um, you still have to go out and buy the movie again if you want to go and get it I think it's actually a very interesting very interesting idea um, well, the, so, uh, the next thing is of course is going to be yeah the CGI um, films which are not cartoons or um, and uh, I mean there was a I think it was a film called She which Scarlett Johansson was in a few years ago yeah. where she was computer generated and, and somebody fell in love with her and yeah. you know obviously in that particular film, it was the real Scarlet, but it's not far from becoming, you know, a CGI'd Scarlet. And I think that uh, that's where film is obviously going to go because if it's going to be difficult to actually have a you know, huge film set out there with lots of people running around, um, you know, uh, with water bottles, which seems to be all that happens whenever <laughs> I've seen a, a film set before. Um, I, I think that the whole concept of, of, dare I say it, Hollywood as we know it, um, is about to move into into cyberspace, um, and uh, you know you may be able to um, patent your image. You know, uh, Chris Hemsworth. Uh, you, know, you can you can sort of patent your image, but they're going to make characters who are very lifelike looking, um, who are uh, nobody in real life. Um, of course, then they don't have to pay for. Them. Uh, I hope you uh, patent your your image, uh, Sir Michael. It's, uh... <laughs> For your, for your presentations, you can uh, be in, in a hologram in different places all over the world. Well, I saw one of those at the Las Vegas uh, conference that did happen in January this year, 
where this lady took her image, which she said, I can now project this image in real time onto a platform in Tokyo. <laughs> she then showed the people sitting in the audience in Las Vegas herself doing. But what was truly yes. impressive is that as she was speaking, her holographic image, which I have to tell you I couldn't tell was holographic, was speaking in Japanese to the audience in Japan, well, but using her tone inflection of her voice. So it was her speaking fluent Japanese. Well, that all went through uh, an artificial intelligence you know, software package translator. Um, so much so that, um, you know, she could be anywhere. Do, do, do you know what company it was? I'll send you the link on WhatsApp. <laughs> okay. Marvellous. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know where to go from there. It's, it's sort of such a wide-ranging conversation. You could carry on talking about this for, for, for days and probably not get anywhere near the end of it. Um, but, I mean, do you have anything... Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm aware that we're probably running out of time. So do you have any, any sort of summary, closing thoughts? My big sort of philosophical uh, issue at the moment is that the West is built around individual liberty. Right. The East is built around some sense of collective responsibility. And I think we're moving, we, actually, it was never we, it was usually I. Um, we're moving from a world where I was the dominant building block in the way the world was run to one where we will be the dominant by which I mean the collective, in the Eastern sense of the word collective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, for instance, Greta's, uh, the, the, the girl from, from Norway, Skernberg or, or uh, the, the climate activist, yeah. she was basically saying, there's no individual solution to dealing with climate. This is to be done collectively, just as there is with the virus. There's no individual solution uh, to coming up with this. And I was amazed to see yesterday how a lot of nations got together, I think in London uh, or in somewhere in Europe, to pledge money. And Japan and Canada and Europe and the UK were all there uh, pledging money. And Bill and Melinda Gates gave 100 million. But the United States was conspicuously absent from this gap. <laughs> and the United States continues to be uh, the last redoubt of, of the individualist. And we're seeing that play out in some of the Midwestern states at the moment. But I think that's, a, that's an ancient philosophy or a dying philosophy. And I think we're moving out of uh, this world where uh, the important building block is the individual um, mm. to one where it is going to be the collective. And I, I leave you with a wonderful Zulu phrase. I won't say it in Zulu. I will translate it. Um, but uh, it goes, I am because we are. Really beautiful. Yeah, it's that's uh, an amazing thing. I, I know, I know. This is this is technically another question. So sorry, but it was just it made me while you were talking. It made me think. I mean, if it it seems fairly clear that that the USA is 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 on on the down and and China and 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 the East are, are on the up. Um, yeah, it, it, is there a I obviously it's very hard to understand how this could possibly impact us, but um you know, how what what kind of things do you think we should be looking out for or or or, or being aware of with that happening? 
Look, I don't think, first of all, to, re uh, to reassure many people who might be listening that China's about to become some grand colonialist and, uh, and take over the world. Um, I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think that, that, that China is very happy to be China within a world um, that recognizes its status, um, as has been the case for 25 of the last 27 centuries of being the center of the global economy. Um, yeah. There is a status quo ante that is being restored. Um, they lost the, the plot for 200 years and it's going back to where it was for uh, 2,500 years before that. Um, and I think that that, given they've got a population larger than anyone else, although interestingly that changes about 2025, 26, when India overtakes China. Um, but the reality is it's an Asian story. Um, yeah. And we're gonna have to understand how to fit into a world uh, where increasingly Asia is going to be calling the shots. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I, will, I will, you know, you don't need to learn Mandarin now because it's a software pack that can basically translate whatever you're saying into Mandarin uh, seamlessly. But uh, understanding uh, uh, more about Asia is probably a good place uh, for anyone who's vaguely literate uh, to start at the moment. Are there, are there any good cultural books you'd recommend? Gosh. Um, <laughs> Look, the Chinese have got their own cultural books, but it's probably a, you know, a good, uh, there's a, the lady whose name forget me at the moment, but she wrote a, a fantastic, at Cambridge University, a history of China. And you know, it is incredibly important that we acclimatize. I know more about Austrian history than I knew about, knew about Chinese history. Um, and, and then I need to remind myself there are a hundred cities in China that are larger than Vienna. Now, it, it's just, we need to, to, to sort of understand that, that uh, there's a big change coming. Um, I'll leave you with a big statistic that uh, in terms of um, the growth of global middle classes, uh, Asia Pacific will add 92% of the 1.4 billion people that will join middle classes in the next decade. Wow. 92% of the 1.4 billion will come from Asia that the collective middle classes of Europe and the United States will actually decline during that period. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, right, well, I mean, on, on that note, on that bombshell, I'll, uh, I'll say goodbye and, uh, and hopefully get to chat again soon. But uh, Michael, it's been a real honor and a pleasure. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day Absolutely. to uh, say Absolutely hi and have a catch up. Absolutely pleasure. And uh, yes, we can do this more often. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you very much. Right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Michael. It's such an interesting chat. If you want to find out more from him, probably the easiest thing to do is to Google Michael Power Investec or Michael Power 91 on Google. Um, then sort via the news category and you'll see all of his most recent thoughts um, he's often quoted in the Financial Times and uh, Business Day and all the other wonderful publications out there. So anyway, um, until next time, we'll uh, stay safe, um, enjoy the learning. We've just launched a new digital marketing course. So uh, if you haven't tried that yet or if you're interested in digital marketing, give it a go. It seems to be doing well. And at the moment, we're also putting uh, finishing touches to two more courses. So we're hoping uh, in 
gosh, what are we, May, so end of May, June, we'll, we should also have out um, Goodvertising and uh, another course on how to be more creative. Anyway, until then, uh, have fun, stay safe, and if you need anything, get in touch and let us know. Look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks. Bye.